Joy is an emotional response to something that is abundant. And I think laughter is kind of the symptom of like that emotional abundance, right? So I, I just feel like it's such a huge part of being a human and you can't get a bunch of people together without there being at least one clown in the group. And we had 12 disciples, right? Odds are that there was at least two. I mean, the fact that Jesus was given nicknames like Sons of Thunder and calling Peter the rock, like, I just feel like there's, there's more there that we can't read between the lines of because it's so like the tone of the Bible, it's not flat, but it's the purpose isn't to perpetuate a, a specific tone. So I'd imagine in between all of these cultural lines, there's these jokes that we're just like not seeing, that we're not getting. All that to say, Jesus was a human and being a part of a human is laughter and, and making jokes. So there it is. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast with me, Jonathan Puddle, and my co-host, Trifina Perumala-Gagnon. This is episode 134. Happy New Year to those just rolling into 2023. Our guest on the show today is Dave Connis, who is an author and musician, a former librarian, and an all-round funny guy. We discussed mostly his two latest illustrated children's books, The Inventions of God and Eva, and The Stories of God and Kiki. But we touched on a lot of different things in this. Uh, Dave would bring up some of his young adult fiction and various other things. Really, we kind of settled on the importance of laughter, of joy, of God inviting us to co-create with him that we get to see everything that we do as good and beautiful and fun and artistry and part of the spreading of God's love and redemption in all things. We talked about raising our kids and being intentional about what we pass on to the next generation and all kinds of fun stuff. Dave is a husband and father as well as his own young kids, and we had a lot of fun here. It's worth pointing out that Trifina had to call in via the phone and was uh, stuck in her car with her five-year-old, so uh, who makes an appearance or three in this interview. So <laughs> that's that's why some things are the way they are. Anyway, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad to be back in 2023 with you all, and let's get into this show. This is uh, finally happening. We've tried so hard to make this happen, and so long. Um, so long and but i'm glad because this has already been so much fun (laughs) yes it has Uh, it's like you understand the craziness of children Mm. i like that isn't it and you know trying to be creative and get in a flow and also pay the bills and all of these things often seem mutually exclusive so whoop 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 you have to pick two i think Maybe. That's right. Pick, yeah. pick two. And it's, I think typically it's being in a flow that is sacrifice because that's the optional. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So we over here have, have really enjoyed your two kids books, The Inventions of God and Ava or Eva. I don't know how you pronounce that. Eva. And Eva. Very good. Yep. And The Stories of God and Kiki. We both are mega fun. Good. It's you guys and my mom. <laughs> they're both mega fans so 
I'm just kidding. I'm sure there's at least one other person. I'm sure you have quite the following. I have been so excited for this because I think it takes a great deal of wisdom to write a children's book because, and I, I, we've talked about this, but taking such a big concept and distilling it into a simple, into simple language is such a fundamental, like a phenomenal skill. And so I'm just so excited for this conversation. I'm such a kid's book nerd. So this is, yeah. Yeah. It's, it is not an easy, so kind of the, like why I started specifically with the, the Jesus-y picture books mm-hmm. um, was because I was like, why don't I, why can't I find any like picture books about Jesus that make me laugh at the same time? Mm. Like there's this whole aspect of like Jesus and like his humanity that I just don't feel like I get when I read these sorts of books when it's, it's both needed, right? Like you need both sides, but I just wasn't getting the, the humor side. So I was like, well, I'll do it. I'm an author. I write words. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so I, uh, I gave it, I gave it a shot, and immediately I was like, "Oh, this is this is why," <laughs> because it's really hard. It's really hard to do this, and it was actually a lot harder for Kiki writing Kiki than it was for Eva. Eva was a little bit more accessible in terms of like biblical concepts. Kiki was like really, I mean, it was going through, you know, in the beginning was the word and like, well, what is the word and like going through there's New Jerusalem stuff in there. So there's like all of this kind of like theology in that one. So all of that's happening. And it's like, well, at the same time, you need to be funny because that's like the series you're being funny now. And you need to not like create your own religion while you're doing all of it at the same time. <laughs> so um, it's been it's been a, a really big journey to figure out how to do it. And I still don't know if I know how, and I feel at this point, like I've just gotten lucky twice. So sure. We'll see how I feel on the third one, but yeah. Why, uh, what, what about your own journey uh, or, or whatever uh, insert well-formulated question here? <laughs> Why is laughter important? I love laughter, but, but I've never double clicked on it in that way. Sure. I like that. I think it's just like such a huge part of the human experience. Like, so um, have you, is it Makoto Fujimura who wrote Art and Faith? Yeah. Yeah. He has has this big section in there about that, that Jesus wept and it's gorgeous. And I'm not even going to try to like paraphrase it. But one of the things that stuck out to me is he talked about Jesus wept, weeping being kind of like a, um, an emotion out of abundance, like it's a response to emotion and it's an abundant response. And one of the things that I got thinking about was like, I kind of feel on the opposite side that joy is an emotional response to something that is abundant. Like you, you respond to whatever that might be in with joy. And, and I think laughter is kind of the symptom of like that emotional abundance, right? So I just feel like it's such a huge part of being a human and maybe for me, just like avoiding conflict <laughs> um, or like, like dealing with things, you know, my, you know, childhood growing up, I, my brother had down syndrome. My mom has rheumatoid arthritis. It, there was just a lot of like sickness and sadness in that. So really the way that I think likely most of my family dealt with it was through humor. And and there's more to it than that, but um, there's also like, I could talk about joy a good bit there too, but uh, I think it's just such a fundamental part of who we are. And 
like you can't get a bunch of people together without there being at least one clown in the group. And we had 12 disciples, right? <laughs> so like at least odds are that there was at least two. <laughs> one person who was genuinely funny and one person who was trying so hard. Yes, yes. And even some, some of the like quirky things that kind of like, I mean, the fact that Jesus was given nicknames like Sons of Thunder and calling Peter the rock. Like, I just feel like there's, there's more there that we can't read between the lines of because it's so t- like the tone of the Bible is, is, I don't want to say it's, it's not flat, but it's kind of like the purpose isn't to perpetuate a, a specific tone, maybe is a good way to say it. So you can't read that tone. So I'd imagine in between all of these cultural lines, there's these jokes that we're just like not seeing that we're not getting. Um, And I think there's examples of that. But so anyway, all that to say, I just think like Jesus was a human and being a part of a human is laughter and and making jokes. So there it is. That's honestly so enriching for me. I'm I'm probably going to have to go back through scripture specifically for that with that in mind. Like, where is God laughing or where are people laughing? and certainly as I've come to read scripture with, with, you know, less of a fundamental lens and, and I can, I, you do start to see this is okay. That was hyperbole. That was poetry over there. That was, you know, and, and yeah, yeah. Like if we can, if we can, I like that idea of, you know, if we think of weeping as an, an, an emotion that's way down, way down the intensity scale, right. That that's, that's an overabundance uh mirth joy hilarity yeah i i actually i think the the chosen tv series has been helpful for me a little bit in that way seeing these guys rib each other and just like have fun and laugh yeah yep. uh, and again i think that hasn't really been that hasn't been in my imagination mm-hmm. but how important is that yeah and it takes a little bit of imagination too yeah right like it it does take a little bit of imagination to kind of get to that point because you're not necessarily like, there's no Jesus laughed like a single verse in the Bible. Um, and I think it would likely be a little bit more helpful if there was, but there's not. I think even the idea though, that even when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, it's love, joy, peace, but we put such little emphasis on the joy, right? Or it's like, Oh, you must have, you must be feeling a holy joy versus there should be laughter and delight in our day-to-day if we're we're doing it with God and I think even when you speak about what I love like we've been taught to not take creative liberties in so many ways right we have to turn off our imagination when reading scripture and when engaging with Jesus and so I, I, I was there was something powerful in you even allowing Kiki to use her imagination with God it's like Kiki creates and so does God there's this there's like there was a theme of co-creation that kept coming up and where you get to create that delight and create that joy in our day-to-day so I guess what I'm asking that is so how does that play out and how and how does that theme of co-creation play out for you and how we raise our kids or pass theology down from generation to generation so funny that you asked this because I've been thinking a lot about it lately Um, So I'm working on a young adult novel right now that is basically about inheritance. And (laughs) it's about this boy whose father dies of a heart attack and then he inherits a magical house. And then he has to, he's like the caretaker of this house, but it's been in the family for ages, 
doing like, and, and nobody really know how it knows how it works. So, and it's been getting worse and worse and worse as time goes on. So he is uh, like, there's a bunch of different inheritances going on, right? There's like the inheritance of his father and what he doesn't know about his dad and that relationship. And then there's the inheritance of this house and his story in this greater picture of all of these stories that have come before him. Um, and then there's like this idea of inheritance of, cause I think when we think of inheritance, we think of money and we think of finances and we think of material things. So, but like, what about the, like the things about how this family has operated for generations is now inherited by this, this kid. And he has to figure out like, well, what are those things and what's good about them mm -hmm. and what's not good about them and what's going on in, in play right now? How has my dad been affected by that? Like, what were the things? So, so there's that whole level, but all of that to say, I've been researching my own ancestry because of this, because I just wanted to get like a good picture of what it looks like to go back in generations to see like the stories of these people. And while I haven't really gotten a good, clear picture of like my, my past history, what I have been really struck with is this idea that even two generations ago, I wasn't an idea for anyone, <laughs> right? Like David Connors, as I know him, was just like not in, not in existence I, for anybody. And now I am, and now I am taking up a physical space and in a physical realm of people with a, 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 like a, a influence on a certain amount of people that are in that realm. I'm writing books, maybe or maybe that not influ that influences people. It's hard to say, it. but like you're doing, you're, I'm doing all of these things in a physical world, right? So like two 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 generations ago, that's that wasn't a consideration. Now it is. So I think when I think about my place in that story, my place in the story of my entire family, and I think about two generations from now when I'm dead and gone, what's going to be happening through my kids, them having kids, maybe them, their kids having kids, maybe them not having kids, like any of that, I just don't have a concept for it, but, but God does, right? So like, and God is putting that into place now. And with the the things that I am doing and the ways that I am taking my the part this part of my story seriously, and that's just like a it's both really terrifying, and it's also really encouraging to know that like I just need to do good and do my best here with what I've been given, knowing that God's gonna go into the future and take that ahead of me and do stuff with it for his kingdom in ways that I can't, that I'm never going to be able to understand. Anyway, that's, that's what I've been thinking about lately. I like, I feel like there's a whole like philosophical like theory coming out of there, but I love like just, it, it, it almost simplifies things, right? Versus like, yes. well, whatever we have to do has to then affect generations to come. It's like, no, if I just live my life in a present way now, you actually are impacting generations to come. Um, and it allows you to be present in the space that you're in. And I was reading something today, and it was the idea that in our body right now, we hold our ancestors of the past, our family of the present, and then our and generations of the future. So in just honoring your body now, you're actually healing past, present, and future mm -hmm. generations. And it was so, like, I don't know, I've, I've been having to sit with this today. But I love it because even when you're talking about, two, like, 2,000 years ago, or however many generations, two generations ago, there wasn't a thought of you and two generations later they may not be but still there are themes that are through lines that affect 
all those generations, right? Yeah. yeah. It's humbling, but it yet also really powerful. Yeah. And it's like, it's really interesting for me to look back and to look at all of these names that are directly connected to me that I know nothing about. Like, I have no idea what they did. I don't even mm. know their job. Like, they're, they're, they're jobs. So, like, thinking about, like, what was passed on and also thinking about this idea, like, what you were saying, you know, rheumatoid arthritis runs in my family. So, like, that has been a family disease that's been passed on. Um, and I think about that for my kids, specifically for my daughter, because for for it's is in the females in the side of my family, it's in the females. So like that's been a prayer for me, for her that I've had, like it's going to stop here. Like this is the, this is where in this generational story, this this is done. Like, yeah. So to think about those sorts of things and and I think it makes it feel more important too for me. Like I have always people are always like your job is just like where you are and it's important. And like, I think for a long, it's really easy to see that be like, yeah, yeah, of course it's important. I get it. Like, it's fine. But I think when I think about like the fact that this goes so far beyond my, my own life, it really does make it feel more important. Like it kind of ups the stakes for me in a helpful way. I would imagine for some people, it might make it feel more like now I just have more anxiety. Thanks. But like, (laughs) I think, I think for me, it grounds me in the here and now somehow to say like, there is a lot at stake here in the future because my extended family. So my wife's family, there are 17 cousins. Yes, it's an insane amount of cousins. But like thinking about that, like what if all four of my kids have five kids? That's 15 people. That's wild. 15 connoisseurs going into the world based off of the things that I have passed on. So yeah, that doesn't necessarily like talk about the, you know, what could be passed on, what should be. But I think for me, it's been really humbling and really grounding to think about my, my part of the story is just being a chapter and not being the book because i think we all want to be main characters we don't get to be we're part of a story and i think that's good i think that's likely a good thing that line right there i've been chewing over that ever since interstellar came out and this this thing where where matthew mcconaughey's character is talking to his daughter murph and is like you know we we're the parent when when you have kids parents kind of their life ceases and you become the ghosts of your children's memories. And that obviously plays out in really metaphysical ways within the film. Yeah. But like, I've just been chewing over that for like, what, how 13, 10, 13 years since I had kids. This idea that like, in a sense, I still feel like I'm in the center of the frame, right? I'm the work of art with the frame around me. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I orient around my children, they don't see me as the center of the show. Not, yeah. not at all. And they should not. That would be unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm just the framework that their story gets to play out against and upon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously there's going to be multiple generations alive at the same time. And there'll be times where they're not children and our kids are grown up and are pursuing adult interests and things while we're hopefully still also of sound mind and body and able to do similar things, but reorienting kind of our entire purpose to be soil that our children get to grow inside of. 
mm-hmm. and hopefully find rich nutrients within is something that it's kind of chewed up my mind for <laughs> quite a while, right? Like it's, it's thanks Christopher Nolan. Thank you, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> Incidentally, he has become my eldest son, who's 13, his favorite filmmaker. So understandable. Uh, Although I feel like we lost, he lost it. He needed an editor for whatever that most recent one was that came out during the pandemic. Shoot, what was it? The one where they were going in reverse in time. They're always going in reverse in time. You mean uh, Tenet? Tenet, yes. So the fun. whole time I was watching that movie, I was like, you just needed like somebody to say no to you. And I don't know <laughs> if anybody was like, they felt good enough to do that about their relationship. <laughs> Trifina, what were you, you were about to say something too. I was curious about that. You said a minute ago um, that we want to be the main character in our life, but that's or the main character in the book, and that's not every like not everyone gets to be the main character. Yeah. And that, I, or sorry, I'm like I'm summarizing that poorly. Mm-hmm. But goodness, is that humbling? And then even Jonathan, when you talk about like, so we are the soil that they grow in, right? I'm like, it's very sacrificial because the moment they show up, not that our identity and our journeys are irrelevant, but it's very like. It's very humbling, I think, even, well, at least in my experience, that anything I can do at any given moment can profoundly impact them for generations to come. And so what I struggle with in so many ways is for our listeners, I have my daughter homesick today, and just this feels like chaos in my body right now. And it feels frustrating because I'm like, oh, I'm trying to create and do what I love and yet also be soil and be present for her. And anyways, it just, I struggle where those moments happen and I'm like, oh, but this is triggering my body and yet mm-hmm. I need to get my shit together right now so that mm-hmm. I can be what you need me to be yeah. as well and also be vulnerable and authentic with you, but also be salt, like allow you to be the main character, allow you to have your emotions yeah. and your feelings, right? That's, yeah. I don't know, I'm pro- I am verbally processing this now with you. <laughs> I would also add on to that we are soil for every believer too like that's part of our calling that that and also i mean not even just believers i would say that any person that is in our sphere that we are so we also we are soil for i mean maybe that's the calling right is that we are never our own our own main character Mm. i don't know i didn't even think about that (laughs) but like it seems to me that the life that we are called to in that way is to continually sacrifice for others whether that be children whether that be our friends whether that be people we don't even know but that that's the calling and that takes you moving out of the frame and putting somebody else in to to your point jonathan and i think in kids it's a very unique way that we get to do that um obviously (laughs) you're talking about feeling the chaos in your body I know that feeling all too well, like the tightness in your chest and the just like feeling of your brain pounding while you're like trying to do a thing. That is it. Yep. I used to write that way and I hated writing during that time. So I stopped uh, because that's all I ever felt with it. Um, I get it. But then you need to talk about at the same time, you need to talk about the idea of taking care of yourself. So what does it look like? You know what I mean? Like you you play that part, you're in this part, you're not the main character, but you need to still take care of yourself in a way that helps yeah. you do that. 
Cause I think you could follow that trail and just say, well, I just never do anything for myself. And like, then you become the martyr that is like always perfect. And that's not right either. So that's yeah. also healthy. Which I think then takes us back to that idea of co-creation, right? Like both God and Kiki get to write stories. They get mm-hmm. to create delight and joy in their days. And, uh, and it's that whole idea of like, if you're going to love your neighbor, well, if you're going to love your child, well, you have to be loving yourself well yeah. as well. Right. You yeah. can't do that from an empty Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that I'm trying to think through. So like this idea of co-creation is, I mean, it's super tied to Genesis one and two. Yeah. Where we're being called into that from the, I mean, like immediately. Right. So I'm trying to think of like moments in that, in that narrative in Genesis one and two, where there is this idea of being a part of the co-creation very specifically and the framework of maybe a framework of rest in that I mean, I'm obviously there's the like the God resting in in the work of creating. Um, but I'm trying to think of like if that happens post when Adam is doing the work of naming like the animals and all of that stuff, like co-creating in that way, if there's any anything there, and I can't remember, but I mean, obviously there's a there's a um precedent for it because there was a day of rest that God took. Yeah. So even if if you just fast forward to the life and ministry of Jesus, right? Like he is scandalously inefficient in his ministry model, right? Like he rests, he eats and hangs out with friends. He, he does one on one time when yeah. the crowd wants stuff from him. He just disappears and no yeah. one seems to know where he is. Uh, and he spent like 10 plus years of relative obscurity building houses or something yeah so you know i mean that speaks to me of like the craftsmanship of god which speaks to me of creativity and and co-creation right i mean god could have populated the planet with seven billion people each with unique and interesting backstories like uh westworld or something and it's like boom off you go now hit play but didn't (laughs) i remember even actually when uh the Lord of the Rings were those, the, the original trilogy were being produced, how they had built the set at the, at the Shire and Hobbiton and planted everything and then let it just be for a year. Yeah. Huh. Just, just so it felt and was, yeah, it was, it was lived in. It was real. It had, it had taken root and had a, a reality to it that wasn't just, you know, moments before the cameras began to roll and that so that spoke to me richly at the time of even of of our our creation narratives and our understanding of god creating the world and you know the the artistry of the cosmos and like yeah we don't create stars but we are made of stardust and uh I have to believe that in the age to come, we will get to explore the cosmos because why else <laughs> what would it be there if I don't get to check it out? Yep. Man, I I resonate with that strongly. I've had so many conversations where I've mentioned, yeah, I'm like I'm so stoked to like stoked to go visit New Bora Bora, like because I may or may not get to see it now. And people are like, wait, you think we'll get to do that? And it's like, well, why why else? Why else? <laughs> Like that's what we're we're redeeming the earth. Why would we just peace out? 
like we are co we are co-creating and co-bringing in this redemption and like when heaven meets earth and there's all this like ideas and analogies around like all of this has happened on this earth so um yeah dude cosmos cosmos exploration blog that be a blogger during that <laughs> that time you're pretty sweet there's this line that i think of all the time with parenting and it's from maybe what's the second newest star wars movie is it the force awakens that's a jonathan question the rise of uh yeah i guess the no the force there was force awakens and then there was uh skywalker and then there was the last jedi or is it the last jedi and then the rise of it's yeah, the last, the, the, it's the last, last jedi. jedi and then skywalker yeah so i think it's i think it's the last jedi where ghost yoda obviously is talking to luke and he's talking about ray cuz i think ray just left and yoda says this is like the only line i remember from this movie it was very impactful for me the rest of the movie not so much but this line thank you yoda which said thank you for christopher thank you christopher nolan this line, thank you, Yoda, because I don't know who wrote it. But he tells Luke in reference to Ray after he's been teaching Ray, we are what they grow beyond. And it's taking me a long time to think through that because I was like, that just sounds like a Yoda thing. But like, I think this is kind of going back to the idea of being soil and the idea of, you know, we come to the picture with all of the things that we have, right? And those things, in theory, are given to our children, what we have, the experiences that we've learned in some ways they have to learn in their own way, but like we have tools. I have, I know that I have mental frameworks and tools that I will likely teach my children that my dad didn't have. He probably has, has frameworks and tools that like that his father didn't have. So this idea of at my, at my stage, eventually my child will grow beyond that because uh, he's standing on my shoulders from from the work that I've done. Uh, and that's another thing, kind of going back to your question, Trifina, that has constantly kind of pushed me forward too. What I do, what I do is is hopefully going to help push my children and not just like financially, but just like being present, taking things, taking like myself, not seriously, because I don't like taking myself seriously, but like taking, for the lack of a better term, self-care seriously, taking, you know, trying to do things intentionally and uh, think through things and make sure that I'm I'm holding tension well in, in all of the things that you need to hold tension with. And um, those are all things that will be inherited. Like the amount of things we inherit, I think, is is likely pretty massive. So. You're so right. And I think that's a big part of what actually sets us up for success and not right. If we talk about like intergenerational trauma and how much that affects us, intergenerational not trauma also is so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's the word? I can't yes. think of it right now. I don't know. Like, I've not heard of that concept. <laughs> intergenerational not trauma, I think, is a new corner on the market. And you should. Yeah, that's, that's what we're trying to build here. Yep. Yep. That's so rich. To change track a little bit, but but stay in the realm of the books. We we both really appreciated the racial representation in the books, and and the fact that y- your main characters are essentially girls and God creating together, creating together. Uh, my youngest 
is, is my youngest two are both girls and my boys are older. They, I just, yeah. What were you, did you have some goals or some things in mind or, or was that up to the illustrator or kind of how and, and why did that happen the way it did? So for me, diversity has always been a, something I've sort of been surrounded by and B something that I've, that has been important for a long time. So going into these books, I knew that it was something I wanted. I didn't necessarily say for Eva, well, I named it, I named her Eva. So yeah, that was, that was like, I came into the way that that, the way that the whole series started is I kind of mess, I messaged the illustrator, Amy Domingo. It's a whole story. I don't, I don't have to get into it, but like I sent her, it started on Instagram. I found her stuff. I was like, this is the most adorable thing on the face of the planet. And I messaged her and said, would you be interested in working on this book? It's called Inventions of God and Eva. And so she kind of took it the way the way that that it did. And then with Kiki, for whatever reason, when my brain, when I was when we were working through the second, the second synopsis is just that she was she was a little black girl who really liked stories that wanted to tell stories. That's just sometimes characters like hang out with me. This is going to make me sound psychotic, but sometimes characters come and like they are here and I see them and I know who they are before I even write them. They just like show up and then we hang out. Sometimes it takes me forever to understand who a character is and what even what like what they even look like. But Kiki wasn't that way. She was just always Kiki and she was always named Kiki and she was love stories and she was black. So I think when when I kind of gave the rundown. So I do lots of illustration notes. When I gave the rundown, that was just something I mentioned. And then there was a lot of, there's a page, there's, there was just a lot of stuff that Amy did to kind of like boost this idea of diversity, specifically when it comes to heaven, which I love. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Let me de for listeners. I have my screen blurred. I'm going to de blur myself. So this page right here, the coloring on everyone that was something we didn't talk about that just happened that appeared um, and that was something too i think that happened in even the so the representation and i might get in trouble for this one explaining it badly because i'm talking about illustrating god but notice the colors of all we call them the the god jewels but the colors of all the god jewels like they're all representations of skin colors. Wow. I've never noticed that. It's beautiful. And there's like something else. There's a bunch of places where Amy took that like desire for diversity and did things like that with it. That was that was just stuff stuff we never talked about. But she went she went the extra mile with it. And I it was one of the reasons why I loved working with her because she was so freaking thoughtful about all of it. Um, down to the like the lettering of everyone like I mean the you know the god jewels and showing inclusivity that way we actually talked a lot about how to represent god in a way that was really careful uh like how do we do that not in a way that is going against I can't remember what where it is but like the idea of a graven image and him being the creator and not creating of image of the creator and all that stuff that was really difficult which is why we talked we make the joke about in both books, God is hard to to draw. Um, so, but I feel like that's like the most honest answer, right? And 
and and thus it works uh yeah. even while being tongue in cheek uh you know our our yeah. foster daughter had no faith upbringing and so entering into our family where we talk a lot about god and pray and so on you know it's like week 3 and her her next question is what does god look like how do, how do i know when i'm talking with god because i know what you look like and your name is jonathan and so like you know and it's it's a very normal question that that we don't have a ready answer for uh yep. with the exception of of jesus i i did hear somebody say that the very reason that God says don't create any graven images is because he's going to supply one, one mm. who looks shockingly like us. Like a, like a human. Yeah, like, like that. A, yeah. I've never heard that before. That's really cool. That's really interesting. I cannot attribute it to anyone, but it's not original to me. It's somebody, somebody somewhere. Yeah. yeah that has been, um, that was a really interesting Thing trying to figure out i've been meaning to write something about it because i think it, people would find it interesting either that or like skewer me or somebody something it would be one of the two some people might find it interesting some people might want me to die either two um that's that's the sweet spot to live right there <laughs> yes that is the sweet spot but like there was a lot of discussion about like how to do it and um that so far has been one of the biggest things that when people read it to kids they really liked the the when you introduce god and like the the illustration of god that some of the biggest pieces of feedback i've gotten have been like they were just they stared at that page for a long time and that that page was really interesting to them and i think it's exactly the reason you were talking about jonathan it's like we don't have a ready answer and i like even in this illustration it's like obviously that's not it either so like Again, picture books that are not new religions, <laughs> that are funny and that are also theologically accurate. Really hard. Yeah, for Talk sure. To anybody who does it, it's just really sure. hard. But you, but you crushed it. Like, like you really did, uh, Trifina. What was it that Gray said? Oh, thank you. So I read it to my kids like a couple months ago for attempted this and we did it over breakfast and the first thing my son said is like oh they look like me and that's not a common like sentiment for my children in especially christian literature mm. right especially like children's bibles are all white blonde hair blue eyed yeah. um and so for someone who can create with god and hang out with god to look like my children was so impactful because it was like oh so yeah so like if I'm made in the image of God and God, then I like also represent God's heart. So even when we talk about skin jewels, right? And yeah. all looking, um, it was it was a conversation that we kept going back to as a family. Of, oh, I see myself represented, and how powerful that is. Like Kiki looked like my kids, and like in terms of skin tone, and that God was in some ways ambiguous, but carried part of their characteristics in it. And so I really appreciated the representation just in terms of gender, if it was a female, especially in a Christian environment for that, that, that is significant. And then racially, like it's been very powerful in our home. So thank you. That's wonderful. That's so good to hear. It's not, I'm almost crying, but I think I got it. I think I'm keeping myself under control, but like, I, I mean, it really is important. Right. And, and that's, you know, I'm obviously a white guy. <laughs> no. Um, surprise, shock. So <laughs> to um to hear that, I think reminds me 
not that it that it is important because I know that it is important, but it reminds me that it is happening. Does that make sense? Like that there is a actual place for this stuff that is like literally happening in kids' eyes where they see themselves and that that matters. So to hear those stories and to hear that I didn't butcher it, which I'm sure is coming at some point, but to hear those stories, I think is just really, really, I'm I'm really glad to co-create in that way. And I love that I get to, that people get to see themselves co-creating in that way, because like, that's, that's it. Like, that's the thing. Like you, and you hit it right on your, right on the head. Like we are all made in God's image. Um, and like, that's something that we have all been called to is that co-creation. So there's a line that we highlighted here. And honestly, I'm still trying to wrestle my heart around this as an adult, where you said, God thinks Kiki is awesome. He loves when Kiki does Kiki things. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm just scratching the surface of this idea that God loves when I do Jonathan things. Mm-hmm. That the things that interest my heart are even allowed, even like permitted, and, and actually bring joy to the heart of God. And I mean, I've been preaching this to people for 10 years, <laughs> but it's another yeah. thing to, you know, yeah. to, Picked back in your court, and you're like, you don't believe this. I'm like, no, right. I don't. Right. Or I have parts of me that do, and parts of me that don't. <laughs> where, where? How did you get there? Yeah. So I think I've I've been in the the Presbyterian denomination for a while. I wouldn't consider myself a Presbyterian, but I've just been in it. I went to a Presbyterian school, uh, uh, specifically a PCA school. If anybody knows what that is, Presbyterian Church of America. I think there's a, and and we don't even need help, any help with this. We don't even need to go to school for this, but just being like self-cynical and self, like just hating on yourself. Like that's really easy, right? Like that's not a thing we need help with. For sure. So to think, I think for me, my default, and this I'm sure it comes down to Enneagram four stuff, <laughs> is to just automatically assume that I'm the one that's doing it wrong. And that if I could just be better, at whatever the thing is, that uh, the problem would go away and that it, that the thing would be better. So mm-hmm. I just need to do, figure it out and do better at it. And I was going to um, counseling a few years ago for um, just a, a relationship that was that was really bumpy and I just needed an outside perspective. And the counselor kind of said to me like, hey, all of these things that you're talking about as flaws, they sound like parts of you that are actually not flaws. <laughs> yeah. And I, was like, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Everything is a flaw. <laughs> and uh, he just said, what, it, like, what, what does it look like to think about the fact that these things are fearfully and wonderfully made by a creator who loves the, who loves the way that you're made and that, and not that like you can't do any wrong, and not that you can't take your your strengths and make them weaknesses, but like just the idea of like the fact that the things that we see about ourselves and that we say, ah, that's just us is what I do. I'm just that way. But like that they are fearfully and wonderfully made parts of us mm. that 
you know, regardless of whether we get it right or wrong. And, you know, there's like a heart thing too. Like there is a, there is a, there is a level of, you know, where is your heart at when you do these things? So, but like, regardless of whether or not I'm, you know, if I'm swinging and I'm getting the swing right, this part of me that is swinging in the first place is something that was created by God to be make up Dave Connors. So I think, I think, you know, that has been on my mind a lot in, in opposition to this idea that we need to be focused on our sin. We need to be focused on how shitty we are. We need to be focused on like our list of wrongs and all of our flaws. And that's just really depressing. It has its place, but it's definitely like, I think any counselor, if like they were to hear the amount of times you're thinking about that would probably be like, Hey, maybe reframe some stuff here. So like, I think we do that from a spiritual side and there's no problem to it anywhere. Everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're just a shithead. Yeah, that's like the foundation for like grace. And in some cases that's true. Like if there wasn't sin, we wouldn't need grace, right? So there's that whole mind pretzel. I think there's just all of these layers to what it means to be a human. And it's not cut and dried. And I think we focus a lot, and I know I do, on how horrible I am at everything (laughs) and the ways that I could just be better. If I could just be better, then this wouldn't be a problem. And to what you were saying, Jonathan, about this idea of the parts of you that are actually things that God delights in and having that matter, that's huge. That's something. And then I get to just live into that for my entire life long and become myself. Yep. Wild. That's something. And I, and I think even just thinking about my, I've thought about so long, my, you know, my being a writer, my writing books as being adjacent to my faith, right? As being adjacent to the things that God has made me. I just developed this, you know, skill for writing and it was, it was God that was kind of driving that. And then like, once the actual writing happens, like, then it's just me. That's not the case either. But that not only not only is God giving like giving me this strength and giving me this skill and the Holy Spirit isn't interacting with that, but that like God is also delighting in the fact that I am writing books and that I am doing these things, whether or not there's, um, you know, it's a Christian picture book or a book about a kid who inherits a magical house. You know what I mean? Like that's that is that is so freeing and and something that I just I want to explore that more. I'm unlikely going to get it wrong in a lot of ways. Um, but like, I just want to, I want to at least get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. That means I'm right. thinking about it. I think that's so powerful because it also breaks down this idea between the sacred and the regular. I'm blanking on the word that it is right now. Right. But it's like everything you're doing has mm-hmm. purpose and mm-hmm. is sacred and like you representing the divinity on earth. And that just, it's not like, okay, so when I start writing this, all of a sudden God's not involved in that. Right. right. But you both right. are talking about, just okay one i love that you talk you start talking about your parts because the moment you talk about your parts or anything internal family systems jonathan's like glowing over there oh i'm sorry i bumped your head um i'm getting emotional over here because as you both can see i'm sitting in a chaotic space and i'm just every part of me is like self-loathing in this conversation and i'm like oh no god delights in all of this beauty and chaos and is in like the trifenaisms of all of this and that's such a hard reframe because it's so against everything, even as you talk about, Dave, is like what we are raised in. We're raised in like this, like this 
from the moment we're born, there's so much shame on our identity mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. So then there's so much reframing that needs to happen constantly. You found a gem on the floor. <laughs> At least it wasn't like a goldfish and then she ate it. Because that's what my toddler does. There was one time we hadn't bought goldfish in like two months. Like it was a while. And all of a sudden, like I'm getting, he's getting into the car and I was like, what are you eating? Why are your teeth yellow? He opens his mouth and it's a goldfish. And I was like, we haven't had goldfish for like three months. Where did you find this? Oh my goodness. Okay. I can match that because I've had that happen with chicken nuggets. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, where did this come from? And why? Oh my goodness. It's like when you look into the little cup holders, because you don't know what's what's yeah. going to be in there. No. And then there's like a shriveled like burger patty from three months ago. Oh. But you know and that stuff never actually goes bad. No, so of course. That's good. I mean, they haven't died. So obviously it's not bad enough. It just makes me laugh because there was a season in my life when I cared so much about what went into their body. <laughs> and now I'm like, and you're eating like weeks old chicken nuggets. Yep. Yeah. And it's like one of those we our daughter, um, she just doesn't eat dinner. She just doesn't. I like there's there's nothing we can do about it. But like, you know, when you start off, you're like, I'm gonna make you're gonna eat all of this yummy, healthy food. And now it's like if you lick the chicken, just lick the chicken, and I will give you a giant piece of cake. Lick it. That's all I want. <gasps> the standard. Okay, I think honestly. There is a, something of the heart of God in there where it's like, where it's like, I bring it back. Well done. Well, it's like, it's like, I am, I am redeeming the entire cosmos. That's just what God is doing. And you get to participate as much or as little in that as you'd like. Mm. And, and if you can lick a little bit of holiness and righteousness and love, and if that's all you've got, that's fine. I can work with that. And if you want to gorge yourself on those things, love and holiness and righteousness, cool. We can work with that also. Uh, I love masterfully that. Done. Masterfully done. Well that, done. That was a great bring back. Um, yeah. Kaya would like to tell us something. No, I don't. Oh, sorry. Kaya does not like cake, apparently, today. You so don't like chicken cake? cake would not get her there. <laughs> what would, what would it take? What would it take? She, wants some, she wants some delicious biryani. Mm. yeah there you go okay just got another right thing yeah jonathan i think like that's it right like the it's the choice is ours we either lick grace and we uh we go all into being a part of that co-creation so i I love that you you picked up on that Trifina is like this idea that like that it's a co-creation like that we are we get to be a part of it and that that's the in the invitation and I I just like I think I think yeah we we can be a part of it if we want to and that can look like all of the things that we like to do doesn't have to hurt and I think sometimes we feel like it has to hurt if you're not like killing yourself or like selling everything and doing it all like all or nothing then it doesn't count but like everything counts everything counts yeah it's 
so interesting. So my husband is a pastor and he'll often say like, so he is like your typical pastor where he pastored, burnt out, lay in the fetal position for months and now is like back. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is everyone's. Um, but he talks about now in a healthier, where he, where he is in a healthier space in his life, how he feels so guilty because he's like, I don't feel like I'm striving all the time. It doesn't feel as hard. And he's like, on days when it doesn't feel hard, I feel like I'm not being as godly. I don't feel like I'm as close with Jesus because so much of his faith journey has been built in these like, I have to muscle through for Jesus because, you know, with God, I can do hard things. And it's so he really struggles with it, but it's so full circle moment. Part of his journey of like preaching now is he's actually watched a lot of stand up comedy because he's like, if I can't actually delight in being on stage and engaging with the con like our congregation and it not be fun and humorous, then what is the point? Like, so even going back to there needing to be humor and delight and joy in it, that's been like part of his redemptive avenue of like, yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's really cool. And I resonate with that intensely, like deeply, deeply. Um, I think it feels better to beat yourself up and to like, to work out really hard. Right. Like, like if you don't run and this is a thing you see in running, like if you don't run, like, I think a lot of, a lot of people are like, oh, if I just run at a full out sprint every day, that'll make me better at running. <laughs> but then like all of these pro runners are, well, you do that. You don't even run at the full capacity of a marathon. Like you're not even doing that until the day of. What you are doing is you're running slow and steady. You're running bits and pieces here. Then you have some days where you're taking days off and resting. And that's like a huge part of it. So like going to the marathon, running the race, that rest is a huge part of it. And and not like overtraining yourself and going straight for performance. And I, like that's a huge part of, I think, you know, I grew up in the evangelical tradition and performance in all aspects is a big part of that. Which, so even going back to your book, even the fact that Kiki could not draw God and so you had all these crumpled pages in the images, it was almost like these mistakes that were thrown away. But to me, it was part of the journey of, oh, oh your, your mistakes are, are part of the process and it's beautiful. And actually your mistakes are part of your growth and you're trying oh my goodness for those for our listeners Dave is making the best silly faces for my daughter right now which is great um but yeah just the idea that we've had this idea where we need to have perfectionism and hustle hard all the time but really our mistakes are actually us growing and trying and it's part of our discipleship process yeah amen oh my gosh (laughs) Dave would you Dave would you pray for us (laughs) yes I can uh dear jesus thank you so much for this time um that we get to be together and that we get to just talk about really hard things really good things really confusing things things that we hold in tension things that don't make sense and things that do i pray that you help us continue to think about these things and help the holy spirit to be involved with this in our thinking out of all of these things And just continue our growth. Help us love our kids. Help us realize what we're doing there and all the other places that we are. Who knows? Um, Just help us remember that you're here and that you're ahead and that you've already been victorious and that we get to co-create, that this is something we get to do. 
um, and that we can choose to do and that we get to do it with you and that that is awesome and that we are part of your story and that not only that you love us, but you also like us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Trifina. And thank you, Kaya, for your guest appearances. Friends, you'll find more about Dave at daveconnis.com. That's C-O-N-N-I-S. D-Connis on Instagram and Dave Connis on Twitter. There's these two books, of course, that we were talking about, The Inventions of God and Eva and The Stories of God and Kiki. They are beautiful, hardcover, fully illustrated children's books that are very funny and poignant and have these just really organically woven in insights about the goodness and presence and generosity and love of God. I, we really, really enjoyed these books, and I'm picky. So get yourself over those and then he's got a number of young adult books as well that you can find you'll find him of course on amazon everywhere else Uh, dave's also a musician you'll find him on spotify and wherever else you find your music search for dave connis i want to say thank you to thomas and to sarah jane both of whom have joined my patreon in the last little bit friends if you love this show if you like what we're doing here please would you consider becoming a supporter support starts at three dollars a month or $30 a year, but you can give more if you'd like. You can find that at patreon.com slash Jonathan Puddle. Or if you'd like to give a one-time gift to support the work, you can do that at jonathanpuddle.com slash support. Uh, you'll find me on jonathanpuddle.com. You'll find me on the social medias at Jonathan Puddle. If you happen to live in Finland, then keep your eyes peeled and your ears open because I am going to be coming to Finland to do some seminars around my book, You Are Enough, Learning to Love Yourself the Way God Loves You. Those will be in May of this year. More details to come on that. And if you want to stay up to date on everything, make sure that you subscribe to my email list, which you can do again at jonathanpuddle.com. All right, friends, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a B-side to this where Trifina and I unpack some of these thoughts. And uh, I'm interested to hear uh, how how she uh, decompressed the chaos of her that day. And then a couple of weeks after that, another interview on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing these with your friends. We'll talk again very soon.